in case you don't know, I'm Andy. I'm one of the elders here. I lead the team. So it's good to see you guys this morning. Thanks for making it out. Uh, we're doing, I'm, I'm doing a series on uh, the kind of foundation. So for some of you, it'd be, it'd be refresher. Maybe for others, it'll be fresh and new. So that, that either way is good. Um, so we're talking about baptism. And we're actually going to have some baptisms on the 22nd of September, uh, which is going to come around really soon. Uh, we can't do it in these buildings because the Church of Scotland rules, which who we rent off, that they're committed called paedo-baptists. So they baptize infants, which is not something we do, and I'm going to talk about that as we go through. But we, we, we are committed full immersionists. And, and we're going to explain a little bit about that, but we're not allowed to fully immerse you in this building or the one down the road. So we'll probably be doing it in our, our hub in town and we'll give you, give you details. So, so committed, and I'll, I'll explain biblically why we're so committed, but pretty much our whole life, Teresa and I have been committed to baptism by full immersion to the extent that when we are in Newcastle and we didn't have a building and we didn't have, didn't have these sort of portable baptistries like we have now, we have a self-assembly IKEA-style baptistry that we, we use. Uh, we didn't have anything sophisticated like that, so we baptized in the North Sea. And that, If you've ever been in the North Sea, it's not warmed by the currents that the west of Scotland is. It doesn't have that, uh, what's the word of it, the, the Gulf Stream. It is Baltic because it's coming from the Baltic. It's simple as that. We actually baptize people in wetsuits. I'm still figuring out the theology of if you're in rubber, are you actually fully immersed? And, 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 but but it, we counted it. And I'm sure that, that heaven saw and, and it was okay. So we, we, we are committed to the idea of getting fully soaked. So committed are we. You know, sometimes when you're kind of new and fresh in ministry, you do things in a more disorganized and a bit more raw. And maybe that's, that's a good thing. So, so back in the day, we were, we were baptizing some people and we were living in Chester and leaving a church there at the time. And we actually visited these people recently and they still love us. So this is just, just amazing. And we, again, we didn't have a baptistry, nothing fancy. And we were kind of, we're radicals. So we baptized in the river like the, like the prophet John. And, and we had this spot on the river, on the river D, outside of the, of the city that we used a few times. And, and you could go after the service, have a picnic, and baptize people in the river. Fantastic. It kind of, there was a bank that was quite steep, and then there was this sort of shale beach, and then you got in the water. There was, there was kind of a bridge, and, and it was a public place, nice and safe. Fantastic. So we organized a baptism. Everybody's getting down there in their cars, um, and we hadn't really clocked the weather. No, the weather of the day was fine, but the weather previous had been somewhat stormy and as a lot of rain had fallen. So the river had gone from this rather attractive little beach and all this to in full flood. And, and we're looking at it. And, and actually the bank, there was about three foot of bank and then you were in the water. And there was no like nice gradual walking. It was it was sheer, sheer muddy cliff into water. But we're like, we're radical Christians. We're going to baptize you today. So I'm getting in the water. I'm, I'm I slide down this bank and I'm in the water and it's 
you know, I'm six foot one and it's up to here on me. And then, and then this other guy is helping me. And then we, we, I forget how many we baptized, but there was the one I remember the most was this amazing woman who, who was called Olive, who was rather large and well into her 50s, but she was going to get baptized by full immersion, no matter what the conditions. So she was as committed and as crazy as we were, because we were like holding on the bank, this river is rushing past us, and we're sort of facing each other. And here comes Olive, not the fittest individual, being lowered as carefully as possible down the bank into our arms. And also, you have to remember, Olive's not very tall, so, remember, commitment to full immersion baptism is going on here. So here comes Olive, and we're, we're manhandling her as kindly and as graciously as possible at this point. And, of course, we've already baptized a few people, so the bank's already a bit muddy and slipperier than it was to start with. And, and we, we kind of managed to grab her and keep her head above water because we believe in resurrection, not drowning. <laughs> And we got, we got ourselves together and all we had to do was sort of go in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit blah, blah, and then pull her back up again and it was done. <laughs> then we had the problem of getting her out. <laughs> By now she's wet, we're wet, the bank's wet and we hadn't thought about this problem which is what you do when you're young and zealous. And so we're looking, you know, we're, we're here and we're looking up at this muddy bank and we've got Olive standing between us, me and this other guy that we're doing the baptizing and everybody in the bank celebrating, yay Jesus, and they're all there going, uh, how do we get her out? <laughs> so we try briefly a little bit of, you know, people reaching down her, reaching up. Again, us trying to manhandle her as graciously and, and appropriately as possible, but it wasn't working. So someone had the idea <laughs> of the tow rope out of the car, so, <laughs> which was actually rapidly becoming the only option to get this dear lady out of the water. So down comes the rope and we wrap it around Olive and we, and we tie it around her and then a bunch of people at the top are pulling and we are, we, we, I have to admit, we have our hands on her bottom <laughs> trying to give some aid to those. So there's the people at the top are pulling and the people at the bottom are literally pushing at the bottom. And Olive makes it to the top, fully, fully baptized in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. So why would we be so insane? to do to do that our commitment to this thing called baptism and I want us to read a, a scripture in Acts 2.37 where we were last time we looked at this uh, and then I'm going to explain it why this thing does such crazy things to you I have got a bible on here here we go <clears throat> do that Acts 2 and 37 Oh, don't ask me to pick a version now. Use the one I always use. We want to give you choice. I've made the choice. Wasn't that a great story about Neilston, by the way? Yeah. Just, just to remember that getting started. Oh, it's come up there. Thanks. Thanks, Elijah. 
I have got it. No, I haven't. I'm in John 14. But let's do it from the back. We'll follow Elijah's advice. Ready? So when the people heard this, so just to give you a bit of context, it's the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit has fallen on the 120 in the upper room. There's been a mighty sound of a rushing wind. Fire has fallen on their heads. They start to speak in tongues. They appear to be drunk. A whole crowd of, of many thousands have gathered to this spectacle and Peter has preached to them the first gospel message and they say when they people heard the message they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do 38 please Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit yeah, let's keep going there's promises for you and your children, for all who are far off and all the Lord, whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number in that day. So the, the crowd was in excess of 3,000 because 3,000 people were baptized. Uh, I mean, I'm not anticipating 3,000 on the 22nd, but that would be awesome, wouldn't it, if that, that was our experience and it probably wouldn't all fit in the hub. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just, just quickly, <clears throat> over the centuries really, some confusion came in because we transliterate the word. Yeah, baptize isn't a normal English word. It's an anglicization of a Greek word, baptizo. So, if we'd put in what it actually meant, we'd have just put immerse or dip. Be dipped in the name of Jesus. It doesn't sound quite as religious, but actually that's okay because the idea is that we get what it means. So it means to dip, to immerse, to, to submerge. It means to wholly cover with a fluid, to cause something to be dipped into a fluid and then removed. In the Greek language at the time, you would have heard it used of a piece of cloth that had been dyed that was said to have been baptized, so into the, the color and out again. A bucket used to collect water from a well was said to have been baptized. And a sunken ship was said to have been baptized in the sea. So you can already hear that dear Olive got the full baptized treatment by, by this definition. Uh, and some of the confusion becomes because we just used a word that didn't really give us a meaning. You have to attach a meaning to the word. Um, in the New Testament, well, let, let me put it this way, the tradition or the idea of baptism has a history before Jesus and before this message. So it was quite normal to have something called baptism or ceremonial washing in the Old Covenant. That was a regular thing and such a big deal was made of it that there were tanks all over Jerusalem where people could be literally washed themselves, baptized. There was over, archaeologists have found over a hundred tanks or mikvah around Jerusalem alone so that people coming to the temple could be ceremonially clean by dipping themselves, washing themselves, and then coming out, which is probably how they managed to baptize 3,000 people because if you already got a hundred tanks, you know, do the maths. And you've got 120 people, you can divide them all up and get them all done. Uh, so, so this idea of baptism by immersion, a washing, wasn't, wasn't new just to Jesus. Uh, the, the prophet John 
was baptizing before Jesus came on the scene and he was doing it in rivers. So you see, we were being so, so biblical with dear Olive and others. Uh, John was baptizing, it says at Anon near Salem, before, because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. That's in John 3.23. So the clue is plenty of water. When, uh, when John actually baptized Jesus, it says as Jesus was coming up out of the water, probably not aided by a tow rope in this case, as he was coming up out of the water, the Holy Spirit uh, fell, came on Jesus as a dove. And you see the same with uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 38. <laughs> so you get the idea. It's, it's, it's meant to be an immersion. It's meant to be an overwhelming. It's meant to be a submerging in. You're baptized in an element. You're at, so it's attached to here to, to water. But it's also attached here to be baptized into the name of. If you notice that, it says... You need to be baptized into the name, and then they actually got baptized in water. And in their language, in the name of was in the authority of. So you were like submitting to, you were declaring that you were submitting to the authority of the one you of the name you're being baptized in. So the actual act of doing it in water was a declaration of a baptism at a more spiritual and fundamental level, even to the way they were practicing it right there. Do, do you see? There's this kind of spiritual connection to this practical getting soaked. It represents something. We're going to look at that a bit more. So who, who is baptism for? Well, <clears throat> Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, associates this act that we've just described after every conversion he records through the entire book of Acts. So we have here the 3,000. We have those that got saved in Samaria through the preaching of, of, <coughs> of Philip. You have the Ethiopian eunuch. You have the centurion's household that Peter goes to. You have the disciples that they met in Ephesus and on and on. Every time people come to faith, they are then baptized by this method. Without exception, there's not one recorded salvation in the book of Acts where the next thing they do isn't baptism. It's a consistent and thorough thing that Luke does for us just to get the point across that this coming to faith moment is associated with this getting dunked activity. And, and so that kind of formula of repent or believe and be baptized is something we see in scripture and we see worked out in practice by the early disciples all through the book the book of Acts. <clears throat> um, the Bible doesn't give us any age limit. It talks about repentance and it talks about faith. It doesn't talk about age. Okay? But it does talk about repentance and faith. So the assumption is that you are able to establish that you are a believer before you get baptized. Which is why we're not pedo-baptists. We don't baptize infants. Because it's very difficult to look at a three-month-year-old and discover, do they have any meaningful faith currently? Also, what we believe is that your children, if you're a believing household, your children are holy because of you. So you don't need to get 
There's, you don't need to get them quickly committed or baptized to make sure if they, they suddenly die, they're going to go to heaven. Your children are in a good place because of you. But there comes a point in the life of every child as they mature and come into that kind of age of reason, if you like, and start to stand on their own feet where they stand in their own right before the Lord. So it's important that we don't short-circuit that process because as loving parents, we want to get them done. But it's important we don't miss when real faith has been born in the heart of, of a child. But I certainly, there's no need to rush because your faith is looking after them until that moment where they become cognizant and reasoning in their own right. Now, that's why, like in the Jewish tradition, you have the bar mitzvah about 12 years old because that's when they reckon. But I, I don't think you could formulate, formulate it like at 12 years old, that's it, you're, you know, you're on your own. <laughs> but somewhere in that coming of age, every single, you're coming into early adulthood, you have to make your own choice. You have to make your own declaration at that point. So we would baptize younger children, but it's really important that their faith is clear and that that's established through not just their parents, but perhaps those that work with them as well in children's ministry, etc. So we're not, there's not a rule here. It's about faith. It's about genuineness. So I know of kids who got baptized at very, very young and they, they remember it and it's been the foundation of their life going on. I know other kids that they did it, they've forgotten it and they walked away from Jesus. There's no like, if we do this, we're guaranteed. So it's really important that we know what's in the heart of the child if we're going to do a, a full dunking with them. Is that, is that clear? Okay, good. Um, so the kid that we baptize needs to know Jesus as Savior and have, have faith in their own heart. <clears throat> Questions come up sometimes, well, why, what about dedication? So babies are born into Christian households and we used to do dedications at the front here, but dedications are not baptisms. They're not the same as, as putting water on a baby's head. And, and We have the equipment, actually, in this church to do that, but that's, that's, not, that's not our faith, actually. It's not just a tradition. It's not our faith. But we did used to do dedications like this. But actually, what we so that would be someone's had a baby. They just want to pray over them. They want to say to the Lord, to the congregation, to heaven, to one another, to the child, look, we, you're dedicated to the Lord. We, we, are, we are looking after you. We are, we are stewards of this gift of life that you've given us. And it's a moment to pray, to dedicate, to have prophecies over your children. And, and we were doing that, but it became more and more cumbersome to do because, of course, when you're doing that with your kid, you want your grand to come and your aunt to come and they want to come from Bognor Regis and you know, John O'Groats and all the rest of it. And, and, and it was becoming really, really difficult to do. So our, our policy is if you want to do that, do it in your small group, do it with your family, make an arrangement and celebrate and pray and lay hands on in your home or wherever you want to do it. And people started to do that. And that would be what we would recommend. If, if you, as a family, want to dedicate your kids, go do it. You're free to do it. You don't need a special priest. You don't need an elder. You don't need... I mean, we can be there, but it's not more authoritative if you have leadership. It's about your heart dedicating your kid 
to Jesus and about you saying as a family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Is that, is that helpful? Okay. <clears throat> so what does baptism mean? Well, here's some of the, the, the biblical things, and I'm going to try and pull it together. So, <clears throat> in the old covenant, on the eighth day, a male child was circumcised. So, the foreskin was removed, and Romans 4 tells us that a seal of the righteousness that they had by faith was this outward sign of circumcision, all right? It was a seal of something of faith for the descendants of Abraham. And it was a physical thing, um, and it's still done to this day. We're, we're in a new covenant. We're in a different era since the death and resurrection of Jesus. And <clears throat> the New Testament says that the seal for us as believers is baptism. And it puts it like this in Colossians 2.11. In him you were circumcised. Listen, you're still using the circumcision language. But you were done in a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through your faith in the power, powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So it's, it's, it's making baptism, the, if you like, the new covenant equivalent of what they did in circumcision, but in this case, it's not gender specific. Yeah. Just, just, you don't need a biology lesson from me today, do you? I, I, I'm not, not needing to color that one in, am I, for you? Okay, just, just checking? No, good. <coughs> so, just as circumcision was done shortly after birth, baptism is ideally performed shortly after your new birth. And it's the conclusion of what could have been a fairly lengthy process. So we've kind of highlighted over the years, I guess, coming to faith as a thing in a moment. But for many people, <clears throat> it doesn't, even if there's a moment, it's, it's an end of a process. Or some people even don't know what their moment was. They just know they're in. And that needs to be, uh, that needs to be publicly declared so baptism is something you do right at the beginning it's a it's a sealing of your inner faith by an outward action and that that as we're going to go through this there's quite a lot of that which is there's this spiritual faith heavenly reality and then there's this maybe slightly awkward public getting wet and the two are deeply connected because it's something called <clears throat> a sacrament. And we'll talk about that as we go through. Baptism is also referred to as a cleansing. And I think this is linked to the Old Testament idea because they were getting washed. So Titus 3 says he saved us through the washing of rebirth. And Acts 22:16, Ananias to Paul at his baptism was get up, be baptized and wash your sins away calling on his name now of course we know it's it's the death and the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sins not the water of baptism but once again here we have this connection of a, a physical action that we're taking with a spiritual provision that Jesus has already given us hmm 
Baptism is an act of obedience. And for lots of people, this is the, even if they don't understand all the things that I'm, I'm trying to communicate to you, this is sort of the, the clincher for many, many of us when we think, am I supposed to get baptized or not? And, and I'm just going to read to you about the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3:13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, if anybody didn't need to be baptized, it's Jesus, the Son of God. Amen? It's, it's like of all the people who don't need any paraphernalia whatsoever, any sort of outward religious thing, it's got to be Jesus. But Jesus says, and, and so John is in that frame of mind, so he's trying to put Jesus off. He's saying, yeah, don't do this. He says, in fact, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And, uh, and yet you're coming to me. So Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And Jesus was baptized by immersion in water. And I figure if it is good enough for him, it's good enough for me. He is, he is my Lord and he is my Savior. He is my example. He is, he is the model of me that that was kind of the clincher for me. I maybe understand it more later, but I'm going to do, if he says do it, which he does, repent, be baptized. Baptized means immersed. He did it. I'm going to do it. Simples. All the more complex stuff we're talking about is really, really important. But actually what you find as you grow as a Christian, it becomes more meaningful with time. It's really good to have a moment and you're like, I did it. Just simple obedience. And simple obedience it is because it feels uncomfortable. But I think it's meant to be uncomfortable because, number one, you can have a private faith. You can go through a process, as we said before. You can believe, get yourself in a place where you know that you're right with God. But actually, there needs to be a point where you come out of the closet, so to speak, and you make it public. That's what they were doing here on, in this story in Acts. Is it was a publicly de declaration of their faith through their obedience to the command. I don't see here uh, Peter giving them a full theological explanation of why it's important. He just said, this is what you've got to do, so 3,000 of them did it. So it meant that everybody saw, everybody knew. Suddenly what had happened to you in your inner life was now on public display for everybody to see, and that takes a bit of courage and a bit of guts. But that's really what it's for. Because it takes courage and guts to be a believer. And, and this is the, f the first step in terms of doing that. Um, you get yourself wet. You look all betraggled. You don't look your best. You know, if you wear makeup, it runs. Uh, it's public. People see. But that's the point. That's the point. Jesus is expecting us to be seen. We are the light of the world. We're here to be on display, not to be hidden. We're not secret believers. <clears throat> okay, here's, here's the, the next thing. What is it? It's, it's an identification. Baptism is an identification with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. In fact, many times the Bible uses baptism baptism as a shorthand for 
the language we would use is like, when did you get saved? Now, see, most people say, when or how did you get saved? They may talk about they were in an evangelistic meeting and they went to the front. In the culture of the New Testament, when you got saved, you would refer to, I got baptized. I'm not saying the other stuff isn't valid. I'm just saying we've separated the two, so we tend to talk, use that kind of language where actually this was much closer together. And Romans 6 tells us this. This is 6 verse 3. All of us, just, just, I'll just read this slow, just listen to this. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He's saying that baptism is a joining with Jesus into his death, into his burial, and into his resurrection. So we literally, we don't hold you under long enough so you actually die. Don't worry about that. So there's something of faith here that we are doing a very physical act that represents something very powerful spiritually. We're uniting with Jesus. And people have struggled with this through the ages. Some people will talk about, well, it's just an act of obedience. It's something that you do that represents or looks like death, burial, and resurrection. But that, that all the power of the death, burial, and resurrection actually happened in Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, which is true. Your baptism is not a work that makes you saved. Jesus did all the work. He died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. When, when, you, when faith is in your heart, when you believe, you become a partaker of that reality. And it's not by your works, it's because of his. It's not even by your faith, it's because of the faith. When you hear the gospel, his faith comes in your heart and you go, Woo, I'm in. All that happens without getting near a baptismal tank. Okay, so far. So Andy, why do we need to do it? Well, we need to do it because he says to do it. Let's just, can we just settle that one? But it is what theologians call, <clears throat> excuse me, a sacrament. And this is where something spiritual happens in a physical action or some, something earthly has heavenly power. Let's put it that way. I, I want to give you some definitions of a sacrament. It's a physical activity ordained by God to be a means of grace to you. That's one way of putting it. Or it's a visible and tangible representation of a reality in Jesus. So marriage is a sacrament. Because when Paul talks about marriage, he says that it's actually about Christ and the church. And sometimes you're not sure you're talking about marriage or you're talking about Christ and the church. And that's the point. Both are one thing. Your marriage is a is, is Christ and the church and Christ and the church is your marriage I actually can't explain it more than that 
because it is a mystery. But it's true. When we break bread, that's a sacrament. Jesus actually said, this bread is my body, but every time I eat the bread, it just tastes like hovis to me. But actually, as I take the bread, I'm feeding on Jesus. He's nourishing me through a physical act. Spiritual transactions are taking place through that bread and that wine. Do you, can I explain it more than that? No, it's a mystery. We're, we're actually, I think Simon used the word this way, we're actually mystics. There's, there's something where you, you, can, you can push, 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 and you can put the best words you can around it, but ultimately, how does it happen that the Hovis becomes the Lord? I don't know, but I'm feeding on him when I'm breaking bread. How does it happen that as I'm going down and getting wet, I'm joining in a death that's already happened, and I'm joining in a burial and a resurrection? I don't know. But it says that it does, so I believe it. It's a, baptism is a means of grace and power to our lives where we participate in fully what he has already done. It's a sacrament. It's a, it, the, and there's an element of mystery to it. And mystery means it may not totally make sense, which is why it's usually helpful to land it on the obedience button and figure the rest out as you go through your life with Jesus. Is, is this helping anybody? <laughs> You're actually partnering in his death and burial and resurrection. And it even looks like it. it, it it's set up to be a physical enactment of what happened over 2,000 years ago in the life of Jesus. Ultimately, it defies rational explanation. Paul says of marriage, the mystery is profound. Amen. I thought I'd hear a few more amens on that. Have we got married people in the house today? The mystery is profound. You are Jesus and his church. <laughs> Baptism represents and enacts outwardly an event which it also cements spiritually. So baptism actually has an effect above and beyond the public declaration and beyond the getting wet. It actually joins you with Christ in this death and resurrection. Uh, some years ago, we were, we were uh, helping a, a lady who'd been raised in the occult. We were doing a series of uh, deliverances with her and she'd actually been raised to host her grandmother's spirit guides etc once her grandmother passed on uh, and she regularly had uh, visits from spirits manifesting in her bedroom uh, but she became a Christian but for some reason these spirits didn't quite get the message so we were, we were helping them get the message that she no longer belonged to them. And uh, we said, you need, to get, you need to get baptized. So she like, showed her the scripture, she said, right, I'm going to get baptized. Now, it was not un uncommon for her 
to have strange sicknesses just before it was time to go to church. And then if she missed the bus, suddenly she'd be well. Uh, there is, I've seen this happen even with, with, with us, that it's like this, there's such a power in the gathering of God's people. It's amazing how many little distractions and problems and little attacks and fights you have in the car just happen just before church. And then when it's too late, the battle's over. It, he doesn't want us here. So this would happen quite, sometimes very visibly, you know, throwing up kind of thing. And it was getting, now it's getting close to baptism day, which is a big deal because she's going public. And all these spiritual dynamics that I'm talking about, this death, burial, resurrection thing, she's going to be partnering with that publicly and powerfully. And so she's on the phone to Teresa and and she said, oh, it's get, I forget how many days out it was, it may have been just the day before and, and she had these voices in her head and voices in her room. And they were saying, no, don't do it. Because you're, if you do that, you will die. And Teresa said to her, that's dead right. Come and be baptized. Demons don't always tell the truth. But on this occasion, they were telling the truth. There was something powerful in her own release by actually going for it. And declaring, I'm partnering with Jesus. I'm dying to my old life. I'm dying to sin. I'm dying to my old life. My old identity is buried in this water. And I'm coming up to live a new life. It's profound. It's, it's powerful. And it's meant to be a moment that we can all look back on. Where we made that decision. Where we made that declaration. And where it was cemented in our life. And we got the grace to live free from the power of sin because our old life is dead yeah we died with Christ we really did and this makes it more real and more concrete to us so sin no longer has power over us because we died with him amen so if you are already baptized look back at it and go I'm free from the power of sin and I'm raised to be in union with Jesus. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Romans 6 tells us to do. And if you haven't been, now's the time. So I'd love us just to, I'm just going to lead us in prayer for a moment. It's felt to do this this morning. So uh, if, you, if you want to stand, you can sit in for a little while. I want us just to shut our eyes because I'm going to ask for a response that's private to the person and I don't, don't want you peeking around. I know it's like. Yeah, let's stand up. Let's stand up. But, but stand up and then shut your eyes. That may be health and safety to do it that way. Uh, so what I'd like to do is for us to pray this prayer all together. Some of you prayed this kind of prayer many, many times. But I'd like us all to pray it together. It just might be that for some somebody, this is new. Is that okay? But if we all do it together, we all mean it anyway, and it's a chance for, for someone new to pray it. So you're all invited to do this with me. So let's pray this. Jesus, I believe you lived and died and rose again from the dead for me. Can you do that? Jesus, 
I believe you lived and died and rose again from the dead for me. I welcome your activity and reality in my life. From your activity and reality in my life. I receive the forgiveness you achieved for me. I give myself to you. I believe in you. Amen. We're going to do one more. Is that okay? This is not kind of our normal deal, but are you ready? You're doing really good with the eyes shut bit. We're just going to ask you to keep going a little bit longer. Now we're going to pray about baptism, all right? And this is, this is for real for some of you. <clears throat> so Jesus, Jesus, at my baptism, I died with you and I was raised with you. Thank you for the grace and power that it released into my life. I am dead to sin and alive to God. Thank you, my old life died. And you gave me a new one. Amen. If you, and if you're starting to kind of, well, I'm the sort of person who needs to go home and pray about it. That's great. But if you are going to join in the baptism, I ask you to see your small group leader or your uh, Hope Ignites leader. Sarah's not here today. Or you talk to me because we need to make arrangements for you actually getting wet. 